The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to Bears Over Beers, the podcast that takes deeper dives in order to serve up cooler takes on the Chicago Bears and the NFL. My name is Jeff Burkus, and I'm joined on the other line by EJ Snyder, Windy City Gridiron's lead draft analyst. This week's episode is going to be focused on the safety position, a position I'm particularly excited about. And EJ said that he found a special beer uh, for this episode tonight. So EJ, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking Laurelwood Brewery's Free Range Red. I figure safety should have good range. Uh, I like safeties like Eddie Jackson. I was a huge Eddie Jackson fan before the Bears drafted him. And so Free Range Red seemed like an appropriate beer. Free range, definitely something that's popular out in the Pacific Northwest, but I do like the safety tie-in. Um, I picked something also inspired by Eddie Jackson. Uh, I wanted to go with the Midwest beer this time around. I found an Illinois beer from Normal, Illinois. I hope I pronounced the brewery right, Distill Brewery. And it's called the Moon Jumper Milk Stout. And Eddie Jackson did not take a step forward, did not just take a leap forward. He jumped to the moon last year, um, becoming the best free safety in the league. So in honor of him, I bought the Moon Jumper Stout. So let's open and see what these things taste like. I like it. All right, here we go. Oh, man, that smells so good. So what kind of beer did you say that was? Uh, It is a red, and a lot of reds I don't like. Um, I tend to like the style, but a lot of them are too sweet. They have a sort of a caramely finish, sort of too much sugar, get kind of heavy on the palate, and not a kind of thing you could drink more than one of. The reason I like Laurelwood, first off, they're a great brewery. I like a lot of their beers, but their Free Range Red in particular has quite a bit of bite to it. It's definitely got that red flavor, not an IPA, but it doesn't have that sort of overly sweet, caramely mouthfeel to it you can drink two or three of them they're crisp Um, you can even drink it when it's hot um, which isn't really common for that style great great beer great brewery love a lot of things they make so happy to support them on the pod nice this is uh first time i've had anything from this particular brewery this is a milk stout um first tastes good uh definitely pretty sweet uh so kind of like what you're saying with the red beers sometimes you get into these milk stouts almost like dessert stouts and you're really only going to drink one of them, but it is kind of a nice little into a into a day, not too hot at 6.1% alcohol. Um, so you so start your so day good. off with milk stout. <laughs> well, I suppose you could. I usually uh, end it with with, uh, there with a stout. Go. But there you go. All right. Before we really get started, I wanted to thank everybody who downloaded, listened to, and commented on episode one. We had tremendous response. Can't thank you all enough for supporting the pod. We're just starting this up, getting it going, and keep the comments coming. Uh, tell your fellow Bears and Beers fans about the show. It was it was great. Everybody loved episode one, and uh, or at least everybody we heard from. Hey, if you hate it, tell us too. We're big boys. We can handle it. Uh, but great response. Spread the word. Uh, a lot of folks are enjoying the content, and we're enjoying putting it out. So thanks to everybody who's making it happen. Yeah, it's very cool and thrilled that they let us do another one of these. Um, hopefully we keep getting good response. We can keep going. Like we said, we're, we're focusing on safety today. I, I, just, I just love the safety position. I've been just really wanting a good safety ever since Mike Brown's career was, was cut short. And um, one of the things I wanted to start off the show with is, 
traditionally we've we've thought about free safety and strong safety as two very different positions you know free safety definitely being the guy that roams in the back helps out the passing game more than anything and the strong safety comes down into the box and helps out that run game um do you think that the bears still have that traditional thought process with the two safety positions or are they more interchangeable uh, in this defense over the last few years i think the game forces it to be more interchangeable um so much motion from offenses, uh, threats that come from all over the place, uh, the rise of the fast tight end, the ability to bring running backs from almost any angle, flex them out as pass catchers a lot more often than that used to happen. You need safeties that can play somewhat interchangeably, and they definitely both have to be able to cover. That being said, safeties still tend to gravitate towards the one that's going to play closer to the line and the one that's going to play farther back. Um, They're not as specialized as they used to be, but you still see them sort of naturally floating into those categories. Well, let's start with the guy that starts a little further back from the line of scrimmage, and that's Eddie Jackson. I mean, what a fun 2018 for Eddie Jackson. Uh, He'll be entering just his third season this next year, um, named first-team All-Pro, and... Six touchdowns, two of them brought back for touchdowns, two forced fumbles, uh, and another touchdown that was brought back off of one of those uh, forced fumbles. Uh, Chipped in with a sack, had two tackles for loss. The guy was just all over the place. Unfortunately, got injured towards the end of the year. Missed him in that playoff game. Might have made a difference, uh, you know, in a a tight game. Could have used his playmaking ability. But, uh, you know, I know you were high on Eddie Jackson. The reason why I know that is because because of your draft report is the reason that I got excited about Eddie Jackson before the draft. So what have you seen in his development over these first two years? And did you expect this kind of giant leap that he took in year two? I expected Eddie Jackson to be a good player. Did I expect this much this soon? No, I don't think so. I expected him to be a really solid pro because of what he did in his college career. Nick Saban. Nick Saban's been a you know known as a defensive coach, known as a defensive backfield coach. He's produced a lot of defensive backs that have gone to the NFL. Eddie Jackson was one of his favorite football players. Eddie Jackson was his captain, ran his secondary, that match quarter system they run at Alabama. Um, somewhat complex. Eddie Jackson ran that and all the players around him. Knew he was a smart player, had experience at multiple positions. They played him straight up at cornerback earlier in his career, moved to safety, just really able to play all over the secondary and able to do all of the things, able to cover tight ends, able to come down on the run, able to cover the single deep third solo, absolutely, as as we've seen. Did I think in his second season that he was quite possibly going to be, you know, one of the best safeties, if not the best deep safety in the NFL. Uh, I don't think I can say that. Did I think he was going to be a quality starter? And what was I thrilled when the Bears drafted him? Absolutely. So it's a little more, a little sooner, um, but I'm fine with that. Um, I'm greedy and that's great. Um, And the other thing is I wish he had six touchdowns, but he had six interceptions. (laughs) Did I say six touchdowns? You did. And I thought, wow, he had six touchdowns. Wow. Did I, how did I miss six touchdowns? No. I'm just six rounding picks. up, counting the ones that are going to come in the future. Right. Um, and they probably will. They probably yeah. will. He's got a knack with the ball in his hands. He also returned at Alabama. He was in their return game, return punts uh, for them. So just a ton of versatility from a great player and seems like just such a solid leader back there. And I think that made a big difference for the Bears defense overall, that he was running that back end. He really matured into that leader, and he could make sure, say, go get the quarterback. We got the guys going out in routes. Do your thing. Well, and to add to that, it, it you know, having a good free safety that can cover that middle field as well as he can really allows guys like Mukamura and Kyle Fuller to play to their best ability and take some chances themselves. And, and they really had their best seasons uh, as pros this last year as well. And I think a lot of that's because Eddie Jackson was able to, to take so much of the field up and uh, that, that just adds even more value to the players around you. And it's a lot like the Khalil Mack of the secondary uh, being able to make the people around you that much better because of what you can do um, and allows them to be more aggressive. And so just uh, overall, just a huge boost to the to the entire back end of that defense. Yeah, when you've got trust, 
trust is really big in the secondary because if trust gets blown, it's touchdown in the secondary. Um, it's not going to get covered up by anybody. It's it's going to get exposed. Everybody's going to see it, and that usually ends up in a in a long gain or a touchdown. So when you have trust that that's not going to happen, um, and that's trust from sort of demonstrated ability when you see somebody like Eddie Jackson making those plays and covering up all those sort of deep shots, yeah, you, you might gamble a little harder. You probably will gamble a little harder going for the sideline, thinking you can get that tip, thinking you can get that pick. And it is hard to overstate his impact um, on the defense as a whole, certainly on the secondary. But as you know, the defense plays together as a team reminds me a lot of the impact, not necessarily the, the sort of play style of Earl Thomas. When Earl Thomas goes out for the Seahawks, their defense changes a lot because they lose some of that trust. They lose some of that range. They lose some of that ability. And the whole defense has to sort of shift and and cover wider gaps than they used to. They're just not near as effective as when they can all lock down, sort of concentrate on what's in front of them and say, hey, if they get behind me, Earl's got them. Yeah, I think that's high praise to Earl Thomas, definitely one of the best players in recent history and uh, just one of my personal favorites. So love having a guy that we can talk to that's, you know, honestly in that conversation. But I could talk about Eddie Jackson all day, but that's probably not a good idea. Uh, so I want to I want to talk about the other two safeties that are currently on the roster. Let's cover them together because they both came in on the same draft class. Um, Dion Bush and DeAndre Houston, Houston Carson. Um both will be entering their fourth year. Uh, Deion Bush is out of Miami. Uh, Houston Carson is out of William and Mary. Bush was the guy that stepped into Eddie Jackson's role um, when when Jackson went down. He saw more playing time. Uh, haven't seen a lot out of Carson. Neither one has put up any um, particularly noteworthy uh, stats to to dwell on or anything. What do you know about these two guys? Do, do you think Ryan Pace sees one of these guys as potentially uh, filling in for the currently vacant strong safety position across from Eddie Jackson? I doubt it. I think he'd like to see that. Um, I don't think he's, I think they have more faith in Dion Bush uh, than I do. Um, I didn't like the pick when he came out. I didn't see a lot on his tape in Miami. He was very slow to get going. Apparently turned the corner this year in camp. We saw a lot more plays out of him in training camp some hype started to build around the fact that, hey, maybe this is a guy that could contribute on the base defense, not just on special teams. I'm still not sold on Deion Bush. I'm absolutely not ready to just march into the season and say, Deion Bush is the starter and anybody else we get is a backup. I don't think that's at all the case. DeAndre Houston Carson, valuable player, um, sort of bottom of the roster guy, though. He's going to play on special teams. He can come in. He can play a little bit of that nickel role. He did that at William & Mary where he played down over the slot. Not great foot speed, not great size, but he's a smart player. He's a tough player. Puts himself in pretty good positions. Does he have the ability to, you know, do I want to line him up over probably half the slot receivers in the NFL? I don't. Um, So I think it's a need. I think the Bears, um, if they don't resign, Adrian Amos are going to need to pick up a safety, whether that's a free agent or drafting somebody, because I don't think the heir apparent is just sitting there waiting to be crowned. Let's put it that way. Well, what a what an amazing segue into our next uh, segment here. Uh, Adrian Amos, as you mentioned, currently a free agent. Not a lot of buzz on whether or not the Bears are going to bring him back. Uh, my my hunch is that they're going to let him go test the free agent waters. But I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back. Um, but I'm looking at the names at safety. Uh, that are out there this year, and then knowing that last year was an incredibly slow market for safeties. Um, and I, I wanted to play a little game with you today. And cool. We're going to call the game Would You Rather. Nice. Now, you may have played this in other parts of your life, and it's not that particular game. But basically, the question is, would you rather sign one of these free agents or have Adrian Amos back on the team? So all of these guys are going to be compared against what we know in Adrian Amos. So okay, the first we're going guy, to compare him against the actual Adrian Amos or like the pro football focus rating for Adrian Amos because that's, I think we that's, go, gonna, that's gonna skew my results. I think we're gonna have to go with the real version and not the um, what are the pro football focus guys looking at uh, Adrian Amos. Now I like Amos. I think he's a solid player. I've I've kind of uh, described him as a the equivalent of a running back who gets what's blocked. Um, yeah, he's yeah. always in position. He 
he, you know, he's, he's a smart player, uh, but he's not making a lot of big plays on his own. Yep. Um, so that's kind of where I have him slanted, uh, slotted. I don't know if you have a similar. I do for the rating. most part. I like Amos. I thought he was a good pick out of Penn state. It's certainly a good value where we got him and he has improved as well. It's not just Eddie Jackson, uh, progressing. Amos has gotten better. Uh, I make fun of him for his, for his PFF rating, um, because I think it's a little higher than what we actually see on the field. But I think what we see on the field is, is quite solid. Like you said, um, takes what's there. He's a very physical player. Um, he's certainly gotten, gotten smarter. Uh, about his angles he's always been a, a very solid tackler not a great cover guy but not completely inept in that range either he's going to struggle against the fastest players on the field uh, and the ones that make the sharpest cuts but um you know he can hold his own in coverage so i would not be upset to see him back the only reason i would be upset to see him back is if they decide to back up the brinks truck and pay him a ton of money because there's a bidding war if there's a bidding war i wish him well and i hope he gets you know the best chance in his new opportunity absolutely and so let so let's play the game would you rather i'll name the guy and you tell me would you rather have this guy or adrian amos and give me a reason um the first guy is a guy that i know you like landon collins oh yeah, this one's really easy. I'll take Collins in a heartbeat. Collins is a better player. He's more well-rounded. Um, he was actually um, Eddie Jackson's predecessor, if you want to think of it. They did play a little bit together. They did overlap together, but his predecessor at Alabama. Landon Collins, a great sort of two-way player, plays the pass very well. Um, excellent against the run. Great range. Very smart player. Um, yeah, I would absolutely take Landon Collins. The problem is... Everybody knows that. He's had some great seasons for the Giants, and he's not going to be cheap either. Um, he's probably going to pull down more than Amos. Um, so just straight up, not talking about money, yeah, I'll take Landon Collins. Um, in reality, it's probably going to cost more to sign than Amos, so let's think about how much we're going to have to wrap up because when Eddie Jackson comes up for his contract, I want money going there. I don't want right. him leaving Chicago. So if it's this or that... But in this game, would I rather? Absolutely, I'd rather land than Collins. I think I agree with you. The next name I have is uh, Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger. Would you rather have the Honey Badger or Adrian Amos? That's a really interesting question because of where Matthew is in his career um, and his physical state. Uh, he's definitely dropped off from, from his Honey Badger status when he came to the league. He's a great player, plays hard, plays smart. I like all of that. Um, I'm not sure that he's got the range, so he's probably not that much different um, than Amos. Maybe even a little less physically capable than Amos now. Um, so you're getting kind of the same thing with a bigger name. You might get a discounted rate because of that, but uh, I'm going to say push. Interesting. I, either Interesting. or. Well, he's definitely going to come with a higher price tag. I don't see him coming to Chicago, and I, I sometimes you read a little bit too much into things like, well, this guy says he doesn't want to play in cold weather, but he, <laughs> he, he has said that repeatedly, and so I'm 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 kind of curious um, where he does sign, but he just seems like he's probably going down to Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians, a guy that he has an incredible relationship with. Uh, obviously, they'll they'll make a push for him, and so there'll be money on the table. You're not going to get a bargain on the Badger, and so. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't see it happening anyway, but I, I would rather have the, the honey badger. Um, the next guy I have is a laughable name. It's ha ha Clinton Dix. The former ha -ha. Exactly. Would you rather have ha ha Clinton Dix or Adrian Amos? Um, uh, this might surprise people or upset people, but I think I'd rather have Ha Clinton Dix. Um, he had some. He had. He showed me some things uh, in the Packers secondary, which I think we could talk a lot about the Packers secondary. But uh, I think it would be a very interesting mix with again Eddie playing the deeper third and really taking those far breaking routes. And Clinton Dix has got good size and fairly good breaks. Uh, plays the pass very very well. Uh, probably wouldn't we give up a little bit in the run. I don't think he plays the run as well as Amos, but he's not horrible against it. Um, and I think we pick up a little bit in the past. And again, with the way the league is trending, I might take a guy who has a little bit more juice in the pass game um, and give up a little bit in the run game because you 
You're seeing more passes. There are more passes than runs in the NFL these days. You need that ability to cover, and if you you know you add sort of another guy that has great coverage skills in the secondary, um, that could that could be a really It'd be interesting to see how the new defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano views that balance, whether he whether he wants you know a hammer at the safety position or not. If he didn't, haha, it'd be an interesting name. But in a in a very close race, uh, I'll take haha Clinton Dix by a nose. I'm gonna have to disagree with you. I'll take Amos. I don't think you can get that Packers stank off a guy, so I just uh, <laughs> I just can't do it. Even though he spent last year, uh, you know, half of last year in Washington, it's just not enough. Uh, to get rid of that. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with our guy, Amos. Um, next guy I have LaMarcus Joyner, uh, Ram safety. I think he was franchise tag last year. Um, would you rather have LaMarcus Joyner or Adrian Amos? I like Joyner. I think he's a lot like Amos, but I think he brings, uh, again, a little more speed than Amos. Um, he's an interesting player coming out. He was hard to, um, my, my sort of draft take on Joyner was really rough. It was like, where's this guy going to play? He He's one of those guys that really earns that DB label, which I hate when people are putting together depth charts and it just says DB. DB what? Is he a slot corner? Is he an outside corner? Is he a safety? But Joyner played all those positions uh, in college. And I think as the back end of defenses have to sort of morph and adjust and be a little less rigid. We talked about that at the top of the show with the sort of strong safety, free safety designation and how that's watered down. It's also watered down. Corners switch over, lots of motion, um, you know, runs from the jet sweep, which is really a run with a wide receiver. Are you covering that with a corner? Are you covering that with a safety? A guy like LaMarcus Joyner, it's not going to phase him. He can do all of that. So I think I'd take the versatility, the sort of jackknife of LaMarcus Joyner. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with you there, too. Um, I, I, I'm i very curious to see where his contract ends up. Yep. Um, and, and all these guys are pretty interesting. Uh, obviously, the Honey Badger has the most physical knocks on him. Um, Collins, I think, if, I, you know, if I'm going to put any money on it, I think Collins is going to get the richest deal. Um, but, man, just some very interesting stuff, just given how the safety market moves slow. And one of the guys that really struggled to find a job last year is my next guy, and that's Kenny Vaccaro. Um, was a Saints guy for the first part of his career and then uh, played most of the year for the Titans last year. Uh, what do you know about Vaccaro? Would you rather have Kenny Vaccaro or Adrian Amos? Uh, if it was Kenny Vaccaro coming out of Texas, I would take him in a heartbeat. He he had a lot of versatility, um, and injuries in early in his career seemed to have slowed him down a little bit. Didn't seem to be anywhere near as dynamic um, at the end of his tenure with the Saints or um, from what I saw with the Titans. I watched him in a couple of games last year with the Titans. Just doesn't seem to be a difference maker. Kind of seems to be the guy you're describing Amos to be. That guy that takes what's in front of him, makes the play, doesn't make some, you know, doesn't gamble, doesn't take huge risks, doesn't make huge mistakes, but doesn't make big splash plays for the defense either. So I think a bigger name, it'd be interesting. It is interesting whether or not decision makers have caught up with that and whether or not they're going to pay him a lot of money because he was Kenny Vaccaro, first-round pick, or whether they're saying, hey, man, you've lost a step and we're going to pay you a little bit less. So I'm fascinated to see, A, how the market develops because last year was just really fascinating to me that a guy like Vaccaro and a guy we're going to talk about in just a second, lasted as long as they did. They were well into the secondary and even sort of the tertiary, the third free agent market. They were still there, and you could get a really good value at that point. Um, and I was all for the Bears picking up either one of them um, just for this reason, that Amos was going to be up for contract, and one of those guys could have had some experience and stepped in. Plus, they would have been a, a far superior backup, I think, um, for the Bears than, than Bush or Houston Carson would. I mean, if... Let's be honest, if Amos goes down with an injury last year, would you rather see a guy like Vaccaro um, coming in or would you rather see DeAndre Houston Carson coming in? I, I think at this point I'd still rather see Vaccaro over Houston Carson. Would I, you know, would I rather him over a, a healthy Amos? Mm, tough to say. Um, I'll say no. I'll say the familiarity of Amos with the defense would just rather keep him. Yeah, I watched a lot of Vaccaro on the Saints, and he'd flash, and then he'd get beat, and it was just it was just kind of all over the place. And the Saints' defense in general got passed on all over the place, and mm. maybe they just weren't lined up very well. Um, obviously, they had that turnaround 
uh, two years ago, and last year started playing pretty well uh, towards the second half of the year. But yeah, Vaccaro was kind of a considered a pretty big bust there, and trying to rehab his career a little bit with Tennessee. But yeah, I, I I'd rather have Amos. I think I think Vaccaro probably gets a, a very modest deal because I don't think he's done enough to rehab that image. But uh, next guy I have Trey Boston. He's kind of bounced around a little bit. Um, definitely a guy with a lot of talent. I'm kind of curious about this guy because I think that you, uh, you've you mentioned that you like him. But uh, Trey Boston, would you rather have Trey Boston or Adrian Amos? Uh, I think I would rather have Trey Boston. I like Trey Boston a lot coming out of North Carolina. Uh, he was very, very under the radar. Most people hadn't heard of him. Um, he, you know, lasted in the draft a lot longer than, than people thought he would. Um, he, you know, played very well with Carolina the first time he came up for free agency, um, you know, ended up going to the Chargers. I think he's a talented guy. I think he has a lot of the skills that Amos has. Um, obviously not as big a name, but lasted so long. I think he might get a better value. Like you said, he's bounced around, not as big a name. I think he could get a very similar safety experience out of Trey Boston um, that you could out of Adrian Amos, and you might get him for a better value. So I'll put that in Trey's corner and say I'd rather have Boston. Yeah, I think I'm with you. He's he's actually the name on the the guys of potential bargains that I like the most. But I wanted to mention one more guy. This is another guy that stuck around for a long time after the Bengals uh, surprisingly cut him. Uh, George Iloka. He signed with the Vikings last year. Didn't play too much. Um, kind of curious about this guy. Just to mention him since he's in the division. Uh, would you rather George Iloka or Adrian Amos? I think this one's pretty easily in Amos's favor. Amos has more versatility. Aloka is is a good player, but he's pretty limited. He's the guy that's going to play close to the line, um, stronger. Doesn't have great change of direction. Can definitely get exposed um, in that quicker, uh, smaller passing game. Um, doesn't have the speed to stay with people deep. Um, so pretty limited defender. And I would rather have Amos because he, you know, greater versatility. And I think as good frankly at or near the line but definitely a little bit more juice in the passing game so we'll go amos here so that's you know amos beats a couple of those guys but for the most part there there are options out there if the bears want to go after somebody in free agency and given what the safety market did last year there may be some bargains there which to me leads me to believe that amos might come back to a defense that he's familiar with and take a deal that both parties can be happy about. That's kind of what I predicted. Um, I'll stick to it because why not? If I'm wrong, who cares? Uh, but I, I just <laughs> you're gonna keep uh, sending your votes even if they don't read them. Uh, you know, I mean, what? No one's no one's coming after me. So I, I think I like Amos, and I think that if he comes back on a on a deal that's you know team friendly, uh, for for lack of a better term, uh, I, I'll be. I'll be pretty happy with. Um, I, I think he's a. I think he's a solid player, and and you know, right now we have three, four blue chip players on this defense. Uh, we don't need another blue chip player at strong safety. We just can't afford another one given the contracts that would be coming up and not a lot of cap room to begin with. So um, it's just for some perspective, there is some talent out there, and there's some maybe some potential bargains as well. Um. As we switch over to the draft, and I give you the controls of the car here for the for the draft analysis, I just got to say we got the, the the combine starting here, and I've heard you and others say that the draft is kind of like Christmas. Um, is the combine kind of like when the toy catalog used to come out when you were a kid and you could see what was out there? Uh, is that is that a fair analogy? Um, sort of. Um. I don't think it's that exciting. I, I could tell you a story about Christmas toy catalogs. Uh, I was a big fan um, when I was a kid, and, and my mom gave it to me and said, um, okay, now you can pick you know three things, and, and we'll get you one of them. And I said, okay. And she came back you know, probably several hours later. We used to actually um, switch off nights. My sister would get it for one night, and I would get it for the next night, and then my sister would get it for a night, and then I would get it for the next night. So anyway, she came back probably after one of those long sessions, and she said, uh, you know, what? I, I see you have all these marks in the catalog. What's that about? You know, I, I told you you could have three. And I said, okay, well, Mom, these three are this year, and these three are next year. <laughs> and I had my Christmases mortgaged out for like five years. And, you know, I was probably four at the time. And she was like, okay, that's 
It's going to be that kid. So I don't think it's quite that exciting. I was a big fan of toy catalogs. But uh, the Combine's very interesting. It's a, it's a great event for a lot of reasons. We find out a lot of things about um, injury, for sure. That's one of the biggest things that people sort of don't concentrate on. And then there are lots of sort of tiebreakers. I'm not one that says, oh, this guy was great at the Combine. Suddenly he's two rounds better as a player. Um, but when you see things, when you either have groups of players that are really similar, whole bunch of wide receivers, you're trying to figure out what the separation is. Watching them run routes on the field against air is one thing, but watching those cuts and the concentration in their hands, um, but really those testing numbers come down and do they, do they match up to the tape? Things like three crone drills, change of direction for guys we were just talking about for safeties, right? Can they get back and stay with a break? How fast are their feet? I don't, I don't really care how fast they are overall, unless they test out really slow. If they run a, you know, four seven forty, I have, I have some serious concerns. But if they run, you know, somewhere in the four fives and they have a really good either, you know, short shuttle or three cone drill, those are skills they're going to need in their job, right? So you can use all that information to kind of say, eh, is, is this guy? We talked about this in our linebackers, um, inside linebackers episode one. There's a couple of guys I want to see how they test because looked like on film, maybe they weren't great at one thing or another. Um, I want to make sure that they are. I want to see that they have that physical potential. So that's that's what the combine is for me. It's it's interesting. It's fun. It's definitely when the offseason really heats up for the NFL, which is great in general. There's a lot of this is where the free agency talk really heats up. All the agents are there. All the teams are there. Uh, so it's a fascinating event, but it's it's not uh I'm not a big fan of combine heroes in terms of, you know, people court, you know, huge risers or people blowing up their rankings. Um, it is a good one when people do that, when people stand out to say, okay, I need to go back and look at the tape and see if that lines up with what they did on the field. Because that's, for me, that's the acid test. Yeah, I think the guy that probably helped his stock the most in recent memory that I can think of is that Byron Jones, the, mm-hmm. the Cowboys uh, defensive yep. back, um, who basically jumped out of the gym and everybody's like, oh, this guy's, this guy's going to be the guy. Um, uh, the combine overall, I just think it's kind of funny that we're now getting national coverage on it, but Hey, whatever. Um, so let's get into the draft. Um, you said you were going to cover a savage. Oh yes. Uh, so I assume that's Fred or Ben or uh, <laughs> someone of that nature. If and, we get Fred uh, Savage on the show, I think I don't know that that'd be pretty good get. That'd be great. Boy meets world. Um, hey, boy meets world. But if we're come on, we're on a Bears podcast. What is the? This is a little trivia for our listeners. What is the Bears tie-in with Fred Savage? Well, um, the Princess Bride. There you go, Princess He's, Bride wearing a Bears jersey as his grandpa bears, reads in the story. Jersey. Yes, indeed. And has a bunch of bear stuff in the in his room. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, incredible movie, um, of course. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah. So let's let's let you uh, nerd out on the draft and get into the the prospects. Who you got for me? Uh, so yeah, uh, we will be talking about a savage. That's Darnell Savage from Maryland. Uh, Jonathan Abram from Mississippi State. Jaquan Johnson from Miami. Marquise Blair from Utah, uh, Ugo Amadi from Oregon, and Mike Edwards from Kentucky are the guys that ended up in my range. Again, just for those that didn't listen to episode one, really focusing on players mostly from the 75 to 150 range. That's about where the Bears are going to start picking down around the third round. Um, and seeing who's you know projected right now. Now, this will change as we go through the rest of draft season. But right now, who's projected in that range that the Bears might have a legitimate shot at if they don't decide to trade up. And these are the guys that really line up in safety that I thought sort of matched up and, and were worth a look. So I watched at least two games of all these folks. And... We'll just go through them really quickly. Um, Darnell Savage, we'll we'll come back and talk about. He's one of the he's one of the keepers of the group. Jonathan Abram is as well from Mississippi State. Um, Marquise Blair is the third guy that I'll concentrate on. Jaquan Johnson from Miami has got a lot of press over the last couple of weeks in the draft community. Guys saying, hey, maybe he's a little bit underrated. Didn't really show out at Miami, but shows some flashes. So shows some traits that could develop uh, with pro coaching. After watching his tape, I tend to agree with that. I think um, pro coaching might uh, might elevate his game, and he could turn into one of the pro contributors. Somebody that reminds me of somebody like a LaMarcus Joyner who had some flashes but didn't really have consistency, got to the pros, and, and really sort of showed his versatility. Jaquan Johnson, a little less versatility, but I think he might be a better pro than he was in college. Um, 
Ugo Amadi uh, from Oregon. He plays safety, but I think we're going to talk about him again if we do a slot corner episode or if we're if we're in cornerbacks and we're talking about folks that can play the slot CB position. That's where I think Ugo Amadi really belongs. He's um, some there's a scouting term. We'll start talking about fun scouting terms. Pile sniffer. Uh, oh my, is, I like that. Yeah, it's one of my favorite scouting terms. And it's guys wait, that wait, always wait. show let up. Let me at get the... it. Let me get it. Let me guess. Okay, go for it. Pile sniffer. I'm going to assume it's a guy that uh, shows up uh, around the pile to try to look like he's getting involved in the in the play. Absolutely, you nailed it. That's exactly what a pile sniffer is. Um, I I call this the end of frame guy or in the frame guy. Um, a lot of coaches I know want to see all their players in the frame at the end, right? And it seems like he had a coach like that maybe in high school or maybe maybe his college coach. I'm not sure. He always looks like he's running to get up in the frame, but all he kind of does is put his hands down like he's warming them over the pile just to sort of keep people <laughs> off his ankles. He doesn't really like touching people. And as a safety, I have a problem with that. Um, so he's not a lot about contact. He will make some some hits, but he is not a physical player. Uh, however, the best reps he had in the tape I watched, and we'll talk about this in another episode, because I really think he's got some potential as a slot corner, are on little breaking routes where he makes amazing breaks on the ball and goes and dives and tips it away. He's a little bit on the smaller side, um, but he reminded me of a guy that I watched in college a while back, and that guy's name was Bryce Callahan. Now, oh. in college, Bryce Callahan was not the the polished, you know, elite slot corner in the NFL that we see now. He's grown and changed. But in college, Ugo Amati showed me some flashes that reminded me of a collegiate Bryce Callahan. So I think he's a guy that could grow into that role, but he's definitely not a safety, at least in my mind. Um, and I just watched Mike Edwards from Kentucky, and Mike Edwards is another guy that has some great skills, and those skills are really blitzing off the edge and catching guys in the backfield on the run. Um that's what shows up on highlight tapes, uh, and if you watch highlight tapes of of Edwards, you'd say that that guy's amazing. I want him on my team. But if you watch the whole game, there's some really sort of troubling bits in his game, and it's pretty easy to see why he's projected to go in the later rounds right now. So those are the guys we're not going to talk a lot about. We'll go back to Savage from Maryland, um, one of the first safeties I watched, and a very very good player. Um, he is. 5'11", 199. He's a true senior, so a fourth-year senior. Um, I watched him versus Temple in Texas. Uh, Very, very fast. Very decisive player, and when he makes a decision, he gets there in a hurry. That leads to some big TFLs on screens and flares that he sniffs out. Um, Very solid run fill. Does not share Amadi's disdain for contact. Likes um, slapping into people. Pretty good, solid tackler. Occasionally doesn't wrap. People will run through his tackles. Um, it's not something that happens all the time, um, but he's not afraid of going up and laying a hat on a running back, um, jamming a tight end, smashing that route right at the line. He has no problem with that. Um, he understands leverage really well. Things like pitch runs, he knows how to get that defender on his outside shoulder and really set the edge, keep the other arm free to make the tackle. Um, sorts through the trash very well. Um, good mental processor. Um, if you watch some of his highlights, he, he's a missile. He really, again, it's that. Um, here's another scouting term for you. Click and close. What do you think click and close means? Well, I assume the click is the mental processing, and then the close is the, the ability to make a quick read and, and finish the finish the play. Ah, click and close is a little more specific than that. It's as you see that breaking route develop, your ability to stop your momentum, change direction, and really drive on the ball. Um, and his click and close is excellent. He he, It's a physical skill he's got. He is able to do it. I expect, uh, going back to the combine, some very good uh, change of direction test numbers out of him. Uh, you see it on tape. I would be very surprised if he doesn't run some good times, um, especially in the three cone, things like that. Decent hands. He had a pick six, uh, versus temple. Um, crazy makeup speed, great top end speed. I bet he runs a pretty good 40 time. Um, got burned on a wildcat pass, but just effort effortlessly made up the difference to be in play on the, on the pass breakup. Um, yeah, really, really good player. Not great size, but um, very dynamic, super fast, and again, not afraid of contact. Uh, has a couple things where he, um, uh, it, 
it, they're, we'll call them mental processing for now, but uh, they're not big enough uh, for for me to be concerned. I think he can polish those things up. So he's probably tops on the board. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets picked um, before the Bears pick at the end of the third round, but if he's still there and they're looking for a safety, absolutely, um, I would take a look at him. I like it. Nate lives up to the last name. Oh, he certainly does. When he when he lights into some guys, um, it's yeah, he's just so crazy fast downhill against the run. Um, good solo tackler as well. Um, understands understands offenses. Um, uh, not always common in a fourth year senior, um, but understands uh, doesn't get fooled very often. Understands plays like RPOs, knows his role. Um, usually has his eyes on the ball, isn't running the wrong way on a fake, that kind of thing. So um, occasionally he he oversells his own speed, gets a little a uh, little shallow on the angle. Um, kind of a bad habit, but needs a little bit of angle work. But that's the kind of thing you can polish with coaching. So. High on Darnell Savage, um, would would like to see him on the Bears, think he absolutely could grow into a starter. Um, might not come right in because safety is notoriously complicated, especially for rookies. Right. A lot of responsibilities, but absolutely a guy after one or two years who we could see a jump out of and could be a solid, solid defensive starter, I think, uh, in the pros. So interested to see how he tests, um, but had great tape, not not so concerned about his testing, kind of would, would take him without testing. Um, next guy we're going to talk about Jonathan Abram, uh, saw him on a lot of preseason lists as a guy that, um, was going to be sort of a preseason all American, that sort of thing. I can see why, um, lines up as a classic, um, two safety, usually on the right side moves really well. Caught Benny Snell. If you know who Benny Snell is a running back from Kentucky from behind, uh, in one of the tapes I watched. So he's got speed again not afraid of contact one of my favorite qualities in a safety not afraid of the head-on run stop um solid in pursuit good hit on benny snell benny snell's got great contact balance and he's a he's a really stout running back abram had no problem in the game i watched him um versus kentucky really taking on snell one-on-one uh in space usually drops to that strong safety role so that would lead to replacing a guy like amos uh, who tends to spend most of his time there um, can overrun things, um, uh, has a little bit of trouble setting the edge versus O-linemen, but that's not surprising given, you know, safety's bulk or lack thereof. Um, occasionally we'll miss his gap. Uh, gave up a long, long run to Snell. If somebody's watching that Kentucky game, they're going to get to the end and, and, uh, around the seven minute mark. Um, Snell had an amazing game. He had a four touchdown game, so it, it wasn't all Abram's fault, but, um, yeah, he missed a couple where he could have could have shut some shut down some of those longer runs also watch the outback bowl for him versus iowa um he likes to chirp folks that like uh defensive backs that talk about how good they are um would be fans of abram uh sheds an offensive line block early in that game and lets the offensive lineman from iowa know about it um yeah another guy that comes down hard against the run and can make the tfl and does um, make some decent sacks off the edge good blitzer off the edge um picked up a half sack in that iowa game um everybody's talking about um hawkinson as the first tight end off the board iowa tight end very very talented guy um abram was matched up with hawkinson quite a bit in this game and he uh he made him look silly couple of times he tossed him on his face a couple of times um yeah if you were if you were looking for a great hawkinson game that the one versus mississippi state is not going to be it because in the early half uh abram has his way with hawkinson which is which is pretty fun i just have to jump in here as as a as an iowa hawkeye oh yeah yeah uh, yeah. who won that game Uh uh-huh so this is you just standing in the back chanting scoreboard well, I'm just I'm just saying, let's just make sure that we set the record straight that the Hawkeyes did win that game. Yeah, Hawkinson came on at the okay. end and came up with a couple of catches. So he's he's a gamer. Um, he didn't just give up and hang his head. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you go back and sort of watch the one-on-one matchup, uh, the early rounds absolutely go to Abram. Um, so great skills out of Abram. Um, not quite as twitchy as savage but still fast still likes contact understands is a smart player for sure um also a straight up senior very very all these guys are really really similar in size it seems like they're sort of prototyping safety at right around 511 six foot and right around 200 pounds um darnell savage was 511 199 um abrams 511 205 
uh, and the guy we're going to talk about from Utah is a little bit taller and a little bit rangier at 6'1", 180, but all these guys are really starting to sort of drop into a very similar size slot. So I like Abram. I think he'd be good. He actually, of the three that we're talking about, would remind me the most of Amos. Um, but yeah, he's he's definitely got skills, and I think he's another guy that could develop. Well, the, the short safety doesn't bother me too much. I think Mike Brown is only like 5'10", so it's true. Um, I'm okay with that. Yep, yep. We're not we're not ruling them out, but I was sort of struck by how similar these guys are in size. Um, last guy I watched was a guy I talked about on um, Lester's T-Formation Conversation Pod when we talked about the possibility of the Bears drafting safety. He asked for a couple of names, and one of the guys I'd looked at was Marquise Blair out of Utah. Um, I watched two games from Marquise. The Washington game, they played Washington twice, once regular in the season and once for the Pac-12 championship. This was the Pac-12 championship game. And once versus Northern Illinois. All right. Some Huskies fans out there, I imagine. Um, <laughs> right. Actually, two games versus the Huskies now that I think about it, but there you go. Um, I wanted to see him against a big school and a small school. He's very rangy. Uh, 6-1, again, 180. Good movement skills. Um he was going up against Miles Gaskin, the running back who's also in the draft from University of Washington. And uh, Gaskin is super, super patient, one of his best qualities. And um, Blair stayed right with him and um, did, did really well in solo open field shots against him. Plays a very deep, very deep, true center field safety. Sometimes a little bit too deep. That's a knock on Blair. Um, sometimes just sort of runs himself out of a play by by going backwards. Um, on certain plays, he's just so so deep that he's out of the he's out of the play. He can't do anything. Um, but really good at spying on the quarterback. Um, does not mind smacking folks. A lot of people would look at the 180 size and say, "Hey, can he hit?" Um, he, yeah, watch him for half a game you will see that he can absolutely hit. Um, one of his bad habits is losing vision on blocks. When he engages with the block, he puts his head down. And that means people can run by him, and he doesn't react, or he's just sort of leaning towards one gap, not covering the other. Um, saw him do it a couple of times. It's something he's going to have to get coached up on. I'm not sure how coachable something like that is. Uh, it seems like a coachable thing, but he did it fairly consistently. He gets into a block, and he sort of drops his head and pushes, and that, in a way, takes him out of the play. Um, when he's free, not blocked up, really good vision. Um, again, good anticipation. Um Understands leverage and angles. Uh, really good play in the Northern Illinois game where he, he, he goes on a blitz. He goes on a delayed blitz with the end. And it's he in the end versus a tackle. And he realizes that the tackle's got to choose one. So he makes him choose. He goes really wide knowing that if the tackle goes for the edge rusher, he's going to be clean. But if the tackle comes out wide enough to get him, it's going to leave a nice wide clean lane for the edge rusher. And you can just see him widen out and say, okay, I'm making you pick. So if he'd stayed interior, the tackle might have got a piece of both of them. Um, really, really smart player that way. So uh, I would say better against the pass than the run, uh, probably because of that, that characteristic on blocking. But, you know, likes contact and whatever else, but really thrives in that deep true center field role which is a bit rare and if you can get that down in the third and fourth and ryan pace has showed he's got some aptitude to do that um you probably get it it's it's a quality you need on a defense and you got to replace people um when they go down and blair's got some of those skills and could come at a real value so might be third on this list but not a guy to underrate well that's good stuff i I, you, you sold me on Savage, but the name was a pretty easy sell. You, you mentioned a <laughs> be the jersey you buy. Yeah, well, geez, it depends on the number, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's 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 a good start. Um, you mentioned a good point, though, that the learning curve of safety is a little higher than a lot of the other positions on the field. And given that this team is going to be looking to compete uh, for a championship this next year, you, do you see the Bears potentially going out if they? can't bring Amos back or they decide to not go after the high price free agents. Uh, do you see them maybe doing both? Do you see them maybe getting a, a deal on a guy like a Trey Boston and taking a guy like Savage or Blair? Um, I think they could because the other thing is um, Bush and Houston Carson are, are going to sort of age out of their contracts here. And even if you don't get starters, you're going to need backups and having familiarity in that system um, and seeing if a guy develops, seeing if you hit on that wild card down in the deck is is a good strategy for team building. 
in general. So I could absolutely see the Bears double dipping, um, going with a, an established pro, and then you know going for a guy, rolling the dice on a guy like Savage, or a guy like Abram, and saying, "Hey, we're looking for you to develop. We're hoping you're the one that that sort of is our next." You know, because you know what round did Eddie Jackson come in? <laughs> what Four. round did Adrian Amos come in? Four. You know, yeah. So you know, it, they got a pretty good history there, and and hoping that you're the next, you know, mid to later round safety that that you know climbs the charts and and plays you know a lot of solid defensive snaps for for the team. So I could definitely see them double dipping. A lot of people are saying, well, well, what if they you know what if they want a true starter right off the bat? Um, well, they're either going to have to pay a guy like Landon Collins a lot of money. Or they're going to have to trade up in the draft. And this year, and this is one of the weird things about the draft, um, that's not a very good value. There's a couple of guys at safety right up at the top, but because there's sort of a limited supply, they're going to go earlier than they might. And then you're going to get down to the second tier that I'm talking about, and there's going to kind of be a wide middle. There's a there's a sort of like almost like a second round gap there. Um, um, not a lot of elite guys at safety this year. So if you're really looking for that starter quality, um, out of the draft, you're going to have to sort of overpay for it, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. I'd much rather see him go with a sort of multiple multiple player, almost what you'd call a shotgun approach, but it's only two guys in this case, an established pro and a developing draft pick. Excellent. Well, I'll tell you what, EJ, my glass is empty, and so I want to thank everybody for listening to Bears Over Beers. Make sure to tell your friends, follow us along on Twitter. I'm going to be found at, at @gridironborn. EJ's handle is at the Draftsman FB. So I uh, want to thank everybody again for listening and uh, go ahead and follow the podcast on Twitter. Uh, we were good enough to give ourselves a Twitter handle there. It's at bears over beers. Pretty straightforward. Um, put some fun stuff on there as well. Um, if you listen to the pod, please leave us a review on iTunes. It definitely helps us get seen by more Bears fans. Um, we've got some great ones on there already. I was really happy to see that. Um, we were trending at a five-star rating, Jeff. Oh, nice. Yeah, not too bad, huh? Uh, and keep sending us feedback, either through Twitter, um, through the iTunes ratings, um, uh, at Windy City Gridiron. Uh, you can reach out to either one of us for sure. Um, send us feedback on the beers, uh, the football, uh, Jeff and I's voice. No, I don't, uh, I don't want to hear about that, but beers or football, <laughs> absolutely keep the feedback coming. And we wanted to give you a little bit of a teaser. Our next episode, episode three is going to be focused on edge players. And I know our colleague Lester Wilfong hates the word edge, but I think I'm bringing him around after three years of hammering on him. Um, he was sticking to the old OLB designation. Oh, man. Uh, I, but, yeah, but a lot of fun talk about Khalil Mack coming up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Again, we'll we'll have a similar strategy, maybe some more fun games. Uh, Jeff did a great job with that this week. And uh, cheers. Thanks for listening. And as always, bear down. Thanks, everybody.